0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 200 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. Yay! I'm so excited. This is our 200th episode. I am amazed that there are 200 of them, and I am so excited that you are here. I am going to be joined by Amanda and Carrie and Elise and Redheaded Girl, and we're going to talk about the books that made us into romance readers and the romances that changed our lives in some way. And of course, we're going to start off with a TMI discussion about pet farts and we're going to ask really important questions like what happens if Stephanie Plum is sent back in time and what books are required for a zombie apocalypse. We also have some special guest callers telling us about the books that made them into romance readers. I put out a request to the people who had supported our Patreon campaign to ask them to call our Google voice number and leave a message answering all of my nosy questions to make sure that the voicemail audio would still work for the podcast. And it does. So thank you to the Patreon volunteers who we have special guests mixed in with our discussion. Plus, I have Sassy Outwater as well because, well, she was doing the dishes and she couldn't get away from me calling her. I also want to hear from you. I want to hear about the book that made you into a romance reader. And now that I know that the voicemail audio quality is way good, I would really love it if you would call 1201 371 3272 and leave me a voicemail telling me about the book that made you a romance reader. And if you can't call because you're far, far away, you can record an audio file and just email it to me. No big deal. I would really love to hear from you. I would like to hear what book made you a romance fan. This is also a super long episode, but hey, we're celebrating. So extra celebration, right? This podcast is brought to you by you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for emailing me and thank you for becoming Patreon supporters and thank you for listening each week. I love hearing about how much you enjoy the podcast and how many of you have made it part of your weekend and especially how many of you are working out or walking around. Keep going. You have totally got this. The podcast transcript this month is sponsored by Kensington, publishers of All In by Simona Arnstett. Recently named by Publishers Weekly as one of its best books of summer, All In is the first foreign language romance to be translated and published in the U.S. Escape into this summer's most buzzed-about book, All In, an international bestseller where beneath the midnight sun, powerful Swedish elite prowl parties for conquest trade damaging secrets like currency and one explosive game of cat and mouse between lovers is poised to change the power balance forever discover the romance that is taking the world by storm all in really does have it all and it is on sale june 28th if you are a regular listener of the podcast or a regular reader of our transcripts you have probably seen that we have a patreon campaign and i would like to invite you to have a look By listener request, I set up a Patreon and you can see it at patreon.com slash smart bitches. With monthly pledges starting at $1, you can help me reach goals like transcripts for all of the episodes so that all of them have one. And you also get rewards and options. And there's a special patron feed where I post little videos of what it looks like when I edit, sometimes really well and sometimes really badly. And I post uh, heads up about important interviews and invite people to submit questions. So there's lots of fun ways to get involved if you would like. If you have taken a look or you have supported the podcast or you've made a glance at the website thank you i am so appreciative of your support the music you are hearing as always is provided by sassy outwater this is one of the earliest pieces of music that sassy sent over to me when i started asking her for music this is sassy herself playing her harp this is called rumba for sb that's the name of the file and i always figured it you know she made up a rumba but no she told me in the interview that you'll hear at the end of this podcast that this is from a collection by one of her favorite composers and this was part of one of her final exams when she was studying. So thank you, Sassy. If you want to find out more about her, you can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. Okay, one more thing before you get started, and I swear I'll stop talking. We talk about a lot of books in this episode, like a ton of books, and they are all going to be in the podcast entry at smartbitches slash podcast. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need to write it down, I need to write it down, don't worry. The books are all going to be listed, and there's a ton of them. And there's also the number to call if you want to leave a message and tell us about the book that made you into a romance reader. I really enjoyed this conversation and I loved hearing from different people who called in. So thank you for that. And without any delay, now on with the podcast. Oh, who farted? Oh, who farted? <laughs>
1: not me man all
0: right so i have wilbur right here and orville's over there and zeb is on the floor and somebody made a fart and it wasn't me and it is dire in here right now
2: you're never gonna solve that mystery sarah (laughs) there's
0: too many there's too many furry butts in here for me to really know like who the hell just made this smell it's oh my god my eyes are watering it's so bad so welcome to our 200th episode
3: Yay! Yay! I'm so.
0: Can pleased. you hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, good. <laughs> Are you there? I'm here. Somebody.
3: Mom. Mom sent a random handful of Swedish currency that she found in the bottom of her purse.
0: Yeah, Mom. <laughs> As you do. <laughs>
3: All right, Mom. Along- Mom. She's walking she around with kroner. Yeah.
0: Hey.
3: Yeah. Well, she's not going to need it, and I will. <laughs> and she also. She also sent Amanda's um, pass tea pass. Yay.
0: That's cool. Yay. That's yeah. very cool. So,
3: <laughs> so that saves Amanda about three dollars.
4: Let's hey, spend on meatballs. So so
3: you're gonna there want that. This is $3. Wilbur. Say hi to Wilbur. Well, three dollars. We'll definitely,
1: you know, get you into a toilet. When that moment comes, you're gonna be really happy for that three dollars.
0: <laughs> it costs cost three dollars to pee in Sweden.
1: Public no, it, the
3: public toilets cost five kroner, so that's less than a dollar.
2: Um,
3: but, Those you toilets
0: know, better be nice if you got to pay to get your ass in, literally.
2: You know you could not do that in the United States, because someone would just jump the stall and or take a protest like dump outside the public toilet. You know <laughs> that's so what would happen. Like, I've had to go really bad sometimes, and I don't think I'd want to be fumbling around for change, right? Like something's uh, gonna happen.
0: I immortally. barely have. I barely have changed for like parking when meters. When your
2: bladder
4: knows, like a toilet is nearby, oh, like right. it starts the process.
2: Yes. yes. Is,
0: there's is no there room in that process for a quarter.
2: No. Or have you guys not. ever been like on a road trip where you have held your pee so long your lower back now hurts? Oh, <laughs> like oh yeah yeah yeah. kidneys yeah. are shutting down. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope we put yeah. this in the podcast. Definitely.
3: <laughs> yeah. okay. So just for size comparison, this this is a one kroner. It's about the size of a quarter. And this is a five kroner. Nice. Biggest coin, so you can just reach into your pocket and pull one out. And but fling it
2: into the, the thing so you can get into the bathroom. But what if you don't carry change? We live in like a very debit card society now.
0: I Do was so buy- excited when I went to public parking here today and I could use my credit card in the little public parking yeah. meter. But
2: if they upgraded,
3: it's been four years since I've been there. I only go to Sweden in Olympic years, apparently.
2: Maybe <laughs> maybe they have like the Visa Touch or whatever. No, no, no. They use uh, chip cards there. Okay. It's all good.
0: So we've covered farting and we've covered paying to pee in Sweden.
2: Yep. I'm also knitting right now. So if you hear clicking and it's disrupting the recording, let me know.
4: Also yeah, also Eric is typing, so if that
0: bothers anyone I cannot God, damn hear it, any Eric. Eric. God
5: damn it, Eric Goddamn it, Eric. So my dog thing
0: sneezed. At you. I'm I mean, I'm really not stressed about background noise any minute now. We're gonna have the, the dog whining at the cat sound, so you know. Yeah,
2: that's okay. Dewey will make an appearance as he always does.
0: He better I can't have an episode without Dewey.
2: He's like, You're paying attention to something that's not me and it's a
1: goddamn tragedy.
0: <laughs> Carrie, I'm going to need you to go climb out a window and then ring your doorbell so your dog goes nuts.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that's that will not be a problem because here in Sacramento, as the sun begins to go down, all the dog walkers emerge. And and so my <laughs> what, dog it's not will six look million out degrees the front outside. door. <laughs> right? And the dog will assume that we're under some kind of siege and will, like, freak out. No, it's hilarious because I'll start walking Lucy around the block right before the sun just hits the horizon. And just as it, because it's like 110. I was going to say at that
0: hour, it's what, 102?
1: At that hour, it's about 80 or 90. And just as the sun dips below the horizon, so it's still quite light, but there's no direct sunlight, all the dog walkers come out as though they are vampires who have just (laughs) like simultaneously risen from the grave because the indirect sunlight has gone away
0: and it's time to walk the dogs and pick up And now we can
1: go outside in contrast to your 110 degrees it is
2: 52 degrees in the morning here when i go to work yeah it's nice yeah it's lovely
0: i had to put on pants because it was 68. tragedy i know i I even shaved my legs like what a waste of a a (laughs) bit of razor blade i (laughs) skipped i'm really bummed
4: I get so angry like if I shave my legs and then like plans get cancelled. It's like do my legs <laughs> just went through
1: for twenty minutes. Right.
2: I remember learning to shave my legs, the maiden voyage, right? Like your mom gives you the pink chick razor <laughs> and like yeah. and like your your dad's can of Barbasol and tells you to, you know. What's going to happen? So, of course, I'm, like, freaking. You know, she's like, you know, just be really careful around your knees and, like, the back of your, you know, the back of your leg. Because that's where you cut yourself the most. So, I'm, like, I'm totally prepared to not cut my legs. And I go to flip the plastic cap off the razor and completely take the pad of my oh. thumb off. And oh,
3: no. <laughs> uh, I once shaved my legs before a dance before school and cut my ankle. And I still had to like slapped on a whole wad of band-aids, didn't clean up the bathroom. It looked like a crime scene.
0: (laughs) Ankles bleed, man. Oh my god. Zeb would like like you to know he is digging a hole in the carpet. He's going to try to reach the first floor before the end of the episode. Good dog. You know, it's funny. I, I get more comments when the intro and outro are super unprofessional, like the dog barks and there's, you know, something falls and <laughs> oh, yeah. the cats are yelling and people are like, that was great. <laughs> and I'm like, I I tried to record that like nine times and that was the most professional one.
3: <laughs>
6: so apparently when
0: my animals are being nut jobs is the best audio. Yeah. There yeah. It. Do you still sacrifice Absolutely. an avocado?
3: Yeah. What? Bad things happen if we don't. Okay. We have discovered that before recording Anglophiles episodes, if we don't sacrifice an avocado at least once every 3 months, All the right. podcast gods get very angry. Right. I
0: I feel bad for the avocado. They're delicious and expensive.
3: I it's true, however, it's worth it.
0: Okay, are you guys ready?
3: Yeah. I'm ready. Right. I have notes and everything.
0: Dude, you're so prepared. Does okay. Eric have notes? Eric probably doesn't give a shit. Oh, come on! Oh.
4: Well, before we started, he's like, "Don't hold back on your podcasting on my account." I was like, don't, don't worry.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a concern.
4: <laughs> no, we've okay. already talked about bodily fluids, so we're off to a great start. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. I, bring, <laughs> I bring the diarrhea commentary to every podcast episode. <laughs> I was at least I'm kind of sober for this one.
0: All right, so we're going to talk about the book that made you a romance reader, which could be the first romance you read or it could be the one that you tried and you were like, oh, no, I actually like these. These are awesome. And the romances that changed your life in some significant way. Now, the the cool thing is I posted on the, the Patreon feed about this and invited people to leave me a voicemail message so they could answer the questions. So as I edit this, I'm going to include other people as sort of like an interstitial. Um, talking about what their favorite romance is, and hopefully people will call after oh. this episode, and we'll get more people to respond and tell us what book is their favorite, or what made them a romance reader, or what impacted them significantly. Yay! Mm-hmm. Yay! Because romance right. readers are the bestest ones. All right, who's going first? What book made you a romance reader?
2: Uh oh, we have a Dewey. Oh, oh. oh. Dewey's
0: going first. <laughs> All right. All of a sudden, there's cat ass. <laughs> All right, at least Dewey's nominated you. Can you hear me?
2: Do we, uh, do we just knocked me over because it's pumpkin time? I see. Uh, do we get? Oh, I'm sorry. So Dewey has constipation issues. So <laughs> Dewey in
3: the
0: diarrhea with every episode. So
2: Dewey gets. He does. My cat has constipation issues, so he gets a teaspoonful of. Like canned pumpkin every night for fiber, and like seven thirty is when we we do pumpkin, and so he's pissed off because it's, <laughs> God damn it, I need my teaspoonful of pumpkin, woman. Yeah, Priorities. isn't that what his father servant is for? I will let his father servant know. But I sing the pumpkin song, and Rich doesn't sing the pumpkin song. Oh, no, well, yeah. well. what's well, the pumpkin song? We are going to hear the pumpkin song. Yeah, don't song. leave us hanging. Well, I can't. Right, it's just like, it's pumpkin, it's pumpkin time. We (laughs) sing that and walk around the kitchen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is already the best podcast we've ever done. So, so, listeners, I'd like
2: you to know, if your cat has constipation issues, I highly recommend a teaspoon of canned pumpkin every night.
0: But you have to sing the the song.
2: You have to sing the song. It's also good for hairballs, because it keeps, like, everything moving oh <laughs> I'm so sorry Sarah
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay Elise now <laughs> now that we've moved on from pumpkin and poop
2: oh, do we,
6: as, we as ever go. as soon as, as
0: I no. can no. regain no. control no.
2: Um, so the first romance novels I read were all by Kathleen Woodiwiss, and I kind of want to go back and reread them now later on in life, but I know they're going to really piss me off. So I think the very first one I read was um, *A Rose in Winter*, which is a really kind of fucked up Beauty and the Beast story where there's not anything really wrong with him, but he pretends like there is. And I don't know it. That's what really got me into the genre. It was a lot of old school what the fuckery. Whatavis was good with like she did like lots of girls dressing up to be boys and then like joining the army and the hero being like I'm not gay or attracted to underage boys but strangely I am drawn to this person right like that old school crazy shit And
0: and, and they old, always old Catherine Coulter. And they always <laughs> fit in like you'd have them like borrow some 10-year-old boys pants Right. right. Right? Like when I was 17, I was never a small person, but there's no way I would be fitting into a 10-year-old pants. Like, no. No, there's no way. I don't understand. No. So what did you like about the Woodowist book? What was it that was made you kind of go, oh, well, well, well that's I, a thing.
2: I don't know how old I was, like 13 or 14. I mean, it was the first explicit sex I ever read about right and I my mom didn't know I was reading the books. she didn't care but so it, there was that kind of like illicit oh I'm reading something for grown-ups that I'm not supposed to be reading which made me want to read it more um but I don't know I think you know romance novels were probably the first books that I read consistently that featured a female heroine kind of in charge of her own story. And that wasn't something that, at that time, YA literature really offered a whole lot of. I mean, you got your Judy Blooms and that was kind of it, right? And then a bunch of books about dogs dying. That was YA literature (laughs) when Elise was a kid. You had had Judy Bloom and Where the Red Fern Grows and those were your options.
3: (laughs) I'll be fair, you got The Yearling too. I never read The Yearling, I read Missy. No, no one actually reads The Yearling. You just, it's there on your shelf. No,
1: I I had to read it for school, and being the good girl that I was, I actually did, in fact, read it. In fact, I think I had to read it twice. What were the books about the
2: horses on the island, Misty of... Misty
1: of which I read five billion times, and then I went back and looked at as an adult. And while not all of Marguerite Henry's books are super sexist, that particular series is super, super
2: sexist. And then there was Brighty... Of the Grand Canyon, about the Donkey. Brighty of the Grand Canyon. That's so
1: awesome.
2: Yes, that's a running joke in our family because, like, if Richard and I are both reading the running joke, is so that's the book Dewey's reading. He's been reading yeah. Brighty of the Grand Canyon for like three years now. <laughs> he, he should graduate on to
3: King of the Wind. Yes, my I don't think that's I read it. Um, yeah. King of the Wind is wonderful.
1: Oh yes, it is. so I I
2: think I went from like. You know, reading about horses and dogs to reading about people boning and discovered I quite enjoyed it.
0: All the jokes just ran to the front of my brain right. and they ran right. into yeah, each other and was, fell down. I,
2: <laughs> in retrospect, those books were very sexist and fucked up and rapey, um, which a lot of old school romance was. And it wasn't until man, I mean, I remember when I started to find the New school romances that weren't rabie, and I was like, "What is this?" I feel less conflicted about enjoying this book, right?
0: Do you remember which ones you found?
2: I do not. There was one. I think I've talked about it on the podcast because someone may have actually found it. I have no idea what the title or the author was. Yeah, it had a female bounty hunter time traveler who went back like to the old west and. Fe- fell in love with the sheriff and I remember there was a scene where she had her period and she made her
0: own tampons. That would be memorable yes.
6: Right be- she
2: like MacGyvered some tampons out of cotton and string. Ugh.
0: It's like a
4: podcast habo. so if anyone. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so you probably, know this book. This probably would have been like late 90s. I want to say the cover had them in the usual, like, pre-Smexing position, but there was a waterfall involved, maybe?
0: That's subtle.
2: Right. And I think the hero was really confused because she had contact lenses, and he couldn't figure out how her eyes were changing color.
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds right. You know, if you're going to travel through time, your color contact lenses are totally coming with you.
2: Sarah, she had to disguise herself. She was a bounty hunter, okay? (laughs) Time (laughs) traveling.
0: Surely the bounty doesn't apply through multiple hundreds of years
2: i don't remember or i just re- the only thing that stuck with me is the tampon part what you're asking happen- a lot
0: so this makes me wonder what would happen if stephanie plum went back in time would like carriages blow up she'd just die
2: yeah i mean if stephanie plum going back in time would be like me going back in time like you're just you're gonna die there's no question yeah. about it i'm gonna i'm gonna like you know, cut my toe and wind up with some infection and die. And that would be the end of it. (laughs) You don't need to time travel for that. No, I'm not sturdy enough to survive in a time (laughs) (laughs) pre-antibiotics.
0: Carrie, what about you?
1: What about me? So, so I guess, which question is it? What's the first one I read or what's the first one that made me like go, oh my goodness, I am a romance reader.
0: That one. Okay.
1: Okay. I would say "Bet Me" by Jennifer Cruze. So I actually was—I read Bridget Jones's Diary, and I liked it, and it was sort of shelved under like shit lit. And then I tried reading some other stuff, and I just hated it. But shelved on the same shelf, instead of being in the romance section per se, was a copy of "Bet Me," and that was it. It was all over. And by the time I read all of Jennifer Cruze. I got in hold of some other recommendations and then I found you guys and I just started going down like all the A grade books and you know, I was in. So yeah. So there were other romance books and definitely romance things that I consider romance novels that aren't normally considered romance novels, like, you know, Jane Eyre or whatever that I read way before about me. But I would say that was the one that made me an official diehard member of the club.
0: And that was the one where you read it and were like, oh, now I get it.
1: Now I get it. Right. Yeah.
0: Is that book still the pinnacle for you? Like, is that the one that, against which you grade other books of similar genre?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I have multiple copies and I stash them in multiple places. In and you send them to me. Higher. What? And you send them to me. Oh, you, I sent you. To- like you're like a bet me pusher. I am. Well, just keep a copies. Right. I gave so many away, I was out of them, and that was distressing because normally I have at least three copies, and I have a, a pantry shelf that I call the zombie apocalypse shelf, and I have, like, food and extra water there. It's really like if there's an earthquake because I live in California. Um, but Zombies have, like, could
0: happen, though. I mean, there's not a lot of water. Right? It's really, really hot. I have,
1: I have water, and carefully wrapped in Ziploc, I have my apocalypse books, and one of them is Bethany also Jane Eyre and the Lord of the Rings in case I have to like re- reboot Western Civilization I figure I've got it covered that sounds about right yeah um, it's like there's definitely some other ones that need to be in there but the problem is I kept sticking more books in there and then I was like you know the whole food water concept seems to be going by the wayside here I had a zombie apocalypse emergency book collection I, I think
0: the priorities of- are in order books, water, food
1: I know, you guys right? have, you've seen the
2: old Twilight Zone episode, right? With the the guy in the library? guy right, with the
1: glasses? I hate that Yeah, one. right.
2: Well, it's, it's because awful. that's hell. It's awful.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's he's in hell. It's supposed to be. Awful. I hate it. It's too depressing. It makes me so upset. So, yeah. No, that's the... That's, that's, I don't
0: like it. It's sad. Is, Carrie, is there a, a romance that yes. you've read that really changed you? Or was that also bet me?
1: That would also be bet me. How how did bet me change me? Bet me has a lot to do with body image and body dysmorphia, which is something
0: that I really struggle with and chicken Marsala, which I struggle with.
1: Right. My personality and my family are very different from men's, but every single time I go shopping, I remember men talking about how Cal tells her that she dresses as though she hates her body, which is a huge problem that I have when I go shopping and I buy everything at least two sizes too big and like really like bulky. Uh, and uh, there's just a lot of stuff from there that I pulled out. Also the acceptance of multiple kinds of happy ever afters. I really like that part of the book, that aspect of the book. Especially uh, the, and-
0: she didn't want to have kids.
1: Right, yes, and that does not magically change at the end. She, she's not like, well, now I found love, so actually I do want to have kids, so it's just not part of their happy ending. There's also one of her friends who likes being single, and her happy ending is being single. And that's like in the epilogue, they talk about men's whole group of friends, and they all have you know a different thing that they do. And uh, I really loved that. That was exciting to see in a romance novel.
0: And it's still it's pretty silly. revolutionary to say that your happiness does not have to include children. It doesn't have to include a person. It doesn't have to include a, a single partner. It could be multiple people in your life. You, that, that happiness doesn't have to be one prescribed thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the other book that really changed my life was also a Jennifer Cruisey book. It was Maybe This Time. And that is because, wait, is it Maybe This Time or Maybe Next Time? My mind's blank. Pretty Google sure it's for. maybe this
0: time, but I am not the title person.
1: Maybe this time. And yeah, we'll get it right in the show notes. That's the first thing I wrote for you guys. I won a contest. So, yeah. So I have a whole life trajectory to think that book for.
0: Wow. Yeah. Seriously. Huh, I that's didn't know thing. that.
1: That's true. That's when I started doing more writing.
0: And now you do all the writing,
1: and now I write all the time. Yay! We don't know when you sleep. (laughs) Actually, I sleep a lot. I sleep a lot. What I what I don't do a lot of. What don't do a lot of? Well, I don't get to watch as much TV as I would like because you know I'm reading. But I have to say that if you if you're like, oh no, I can't watch TV because I have to read for work. Like you're doing okay. That's 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 (laughs) good. A good quandary to have. As opposed to, I have to clean the toilet. Although I do that too. So, you know.
0: (laughs) Elise, was there a book that changed you significantly, a romance that you read that made you go, oh, well, that's different now?
2: I don't think so. Maybe uh, I was already reading romance when I read Pride and Prejudice, and I read that for high school. And I think that was the first time that I saw romance really legitimized. And so it made me think like, oh, okay, this isn't just because at that point, it was still in my world, something that was very denigrated, right? And I still felt embarrassed going to the romance section at the library or at the um, bookstore, because our library was awful. All of the paperback romances were on like these three shelves in the middle of fucking everything. So if you were browsing paperback romances, literally everyone in the library could see what you were doing. So if you're like a 13-year-old girl, super embarrassed about checking out uh, books with Fabio on the cover, like worst possible shelf placement, public library. Um, But no, I think when I read Pride and Prejudice and I remember as I'm reading it, I'm like, this is a romance novel. This is a romance novel. But wait, but I'm reading this for school, but this is a romance novel. And it was like, oh, this is a real legitimate thing.
0: Yup. It's a it's a, it's a a thing, that, and there's more of it.
2: Right, and that was also the first book that um, got me into Regencies, and I went, like, massively down the Regency rabbit hole after that.
0: <laughs> oh, Regencies. I just read a Joe Beverly this week, and... Because you, you know, the old school, old style Regencies, I don't want to say old school Regencies because it wasn't like there was even kissing, much less raping. But there's such a quiet, deliberate style there that, that the writing is such a comfort read for me because it's very character driven. There's a lot of, you know, doing things in parlors and who should be in the parlor with you and whether or not it's appropriate. The older style Regencies are such a comfort read for me and I forget how much I like them.
2: They're kind of less angsty.
0: Oh, yes. Even the Carla Kellys that take place in the middle of war have angst, but it's not like wrenching. You know, like no one's reaching in and ripping my heart out and squeezing it. Unless I'm reading the wrong ones, in which case somebody's going to be like, no, you didn't read this one, and then you'll cry for days. Redhead right? girl, what about you?
3: My career in reading romance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is, is in two parts Because there's the The you know 13 to 16 year old And then after that I was like Oh but But I'm supposed to be reading like fantasy And science fiction and nobody Cool Cool isn't the right word Nobody in my cohort Actually reads these so I don't read these Anymore either And the, the book that Sort of the the first book that I bought myself in that phase was Catherine Coulter's *Season of the Sun*, which I think was my second or third review that I wrote for *Smart Bitches*. That um, had Fabio on the cover and everything. It was that's that's where potato rage comes from, Because <laughs> I did not realize at that time that Vikings did not eat potatoes. it made perfect sense to me because you know we had potatoes with our Swedish Christmas dinner Oh, it pains me now so much Mm -hmm. and then I came back when Clea Linda Jones happened to link to the site during a certain black footed ferret plagiarism kerfluffle oh yeah 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 And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I liked these. I liked these. Do I still like them? And the book that really brought me back was Joanna Bourne's The Spy Master's Lady. Oh, yeah. Which is on my shelf. It's right back here.
2: See, right here. I went through that phase of I need to read legitimate literature, too, pretty heavily when I was, like, in college and I was going for an English degree And would feel guilty about reading romance novels. And thank God that's over. Right. So,
3: yeah. I mean, I could say something like the one that really changed me was Surrender to the Night. Because that was the first review I ever wrote. And that led me to the path that is right here. Um, But that seems really trite and boring. So I don't want to say that.
2: I feel like a lot of Bertree Small really changed you. But maybe not... Not in a good way. No, <laughs> no, I, no, no. Which was the one where she had the cat? What was it like? The cat was named Tulip or some shit like that. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
3: I maybe that was Sky O'Malley. Before I wrote, I for thought the she was a parrot. I Me, mean, I don't. All these Bertrand Small, rape-tastic, fucking their way through history books, sort of meld together in this one
2: giant orgy in my head did any of you ever read um the hellion by baratrice small oh yes so that that shocked young elise in many (laughs) ways so for those of you not familiar it's like a medieval historical and the heroine's husband gets kidnapped by a witch who lives with her brother in some castle and they're super into kinky sex and he can't remember who he is so she has to have sex with the the witch's brother guy. And I remember there was a part that now as an adult troubles me a little bit where he put grapes in her vagina. Do you remember <gasps> that? <laughs> right. Right.
3: Oh, then... the yeast infection.
2: Exactly. Were <laughs> they like... green
4: grapes or red grapes?
2: They didn't specify. He got them back out, but I'm just thinking, fuck, what if one of them gets stuck in there, right? Like, you're going to be squatting on the floor pushing, like, real hard.
4: You got to use those kegels.
3: Right, it's yeah. Just... There's, there's a scene in one of Anne Rice's beauty books where she is presented as a centerpiece at a banquet with uh, apple slices shoved up her,
2: her hoo-ha. No. Just don't, don't put food in the hoo-ha. Do not yeah. hi
3: Dewey.
2: Hi, Dewey. Kisses. <laughs> Bye. But there was Pro also tip.
3: Pro tip. Don't put food Pro up tip. to Lula.
2: And they had like a a padded cross that he tied her to and like it was the first time I ever saw the word dildo and I had to look it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I... was a I, I am looking for a screen capture of a later Bertree Small and I know the phrase rummaged in her labia.
3: Is, oh yeah.
0: You, is in oh, there. You did, like, That's number two that now. That's something. my second most popular uh, line in a romance novel. My most popular, my, my personal like this gives me joy actually lives on my desk. Hang on. This is a very recent... Uh, publication, this is Lori Wilde, and it's it's even, I even ripped it out of my arc because it was in, like, the little, I don't know what that's called, the little paragraph or the sample that's, like, the one-page yeah, yeah, teaser. Yeah. It's not the oh, sample. Yeah. The blurb. It's, the blurb. or the... It's kind of like the blurb or something. It's, it's inside, you know, here's a little taste. Okay. <clears throat> Alright, here we go. Guess which part is my favorite. Axel washed, <laughs> watched Kasha Take a deep breath, strong, in charge. Her breasts rose brilliantly, swelling with air, alive with it. Hard what? pass. My, oh. my boobs don't hold air. What? I would be a much better swimmer if my boobs could inflate with air. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to paddle. I would just sit. I, if you really could, inflate, like, if you could inflate your breasts with air enough that you could, like, like you know, when you're in the Dead Sea and it's so salty, you can just sort of sit up and you float, Mm -hmm. like if my boobs were filled with enough air that I could sit up in the ocean and read, I would be very happy. Can you imagine,
2: though, having to take the air pressure, like the tire pressure of your boobs?
0: (laughs) That little thing that shoots out. (laughs) Phrasing. (laughs) My
3: mom didn't like the Dead Sea at all. She didn't like the, the floating bit. She didn't enjoy it.
0: Well, it is a very odd experience.
3: Yeah, I think that was basically it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, rummaging in her labia was 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 quite startling for me when I saw that one. I can't find which book it's in, and the screen cap is on the computer that I have turned off. I I I, I always picture like somebody like you know keeping like things in there. Like oh, I gotta find like my pen or something
1: yeah. in her labia. Of work well.
4: <laughs> the one corner or the five. Like my mom at a dollar store just in her purse. trying to find her credit card
0: yep rummaging
7: hi smart bitches this is elizabeth and i love your podcast and i'm calling for your 200th, 200th episode question about first romance book that i ever read um, the first romance book that I can remember reading was actually Flowers in the Attic by Lucy Andrews, so me and, like, probably 500 million other people. But um, it was kind of funny story about how I landed on this book. There was a guy who, obviously, I mean, obviously there's always a guy. There was a guy who was my mom's best friend's son, who was probably about four years older than me, and had a super secret crush on um because you know we lived on opposite sides of the country and i only saw pictures of him and heard about him through my mom but um he when we were visiting over one summer he actually said you know i think he was forced to talk to me and my sister because he was older than us and not at all interested um but you know our, our parents kind of forced us to talk to each other and he said and we're talking about hobbies and what we did outside of school. And he said, oh, uh, you like to dance. You should check out this book. It's called Flowers in the Attic. Um <laughs> I had no idea. I'd never heard of it before. And I was like, oh, okay, um, cool. I'll check it out. So when we got home, I went to the used bookstore that I usually went and found books at. And I found a copy of this book and um read it and got to all the incest parts and whatnot and was like, whoa, 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 crazy, whoa. Like, why would you recommend this book to me? This isn't about dance. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little bit about dance, but whoa. <laughs> so um, I I uh, was definitely one of those people, one of those kids who was definitely not going to ask my parents at all about um, boys or sex or anything. So I learned most of my, that. I learned that, you know, books had these crazy sexy times in them, and I learned everything about um, sex and relationships, I guess, from reading romance novels, uh, starting with Ballers in the Attic. So yeah, um, that's uh, that's my story. There you go, bye.
2: Hi, did, did you guys hear that incredibly indignant meow?
0: No, and... I didn't, I missed it. I'm sorry, he's gonna have to do better. Do we you her? Her? My,
1: cat, my cat is super pissed off because I shut the bedroom door And pretty soon I might have to give up and open the door because eventually all three pets will start trying to get the door open by clawing their way through it. And I'm like, it's not that exciting in here. And they're like, no,
0: no, the door is shut. It must be great. Oh, if I try to go into the bathroom and pee by myself, Zeb lies down, all four legs spread out, puts his nose under the door, and just cries in the most piteous manner.
2: I like it when the cat sticks the arm under the bathroom.
0: <laughs> what are you door? doing under there? What are, do you need some toilet paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Like I, I, I survived going to the bathroom unattended for many years, but Zeb is completely baffled as to how I made it through life so far without his assistance in the bathroom. It's very odd. Amanda, what about you? What, book what is you the are...
4: question? Because I've been drinking vodka. Well, now that we know much. that
0: let's uh let's change the question what shall we <laughs> ask ladies
6: <laughs> i'm an
4: open book rummage through my labia ladies
0: <laughs> i really hope that there is never any uh, fcc regulations put on podcasts because i'm so screwed <laughs> unprofessionalism and labia rummaging <laughs> So what is the book that made you a romance reader romance reader and is there a romance that also changed your life? Okay
4: we're gonna we're gonna dig deep and we're <laughs> gonna go through <laughs> separate from the rummaging <laughs> my um, like progression of romance I guess. okay so it, I it, started it. off with like baby romances not like romances between babies but like, <laughs> like romances. For <laughs> the younger er <audience.
0: laughs> he said, and she baby said, romances.
4: <laughs> um, so like my first kind of taste as a teen girl to anything in terms of uh, romance books was the like teen series of Angus thongs and full frontal snogging. Yes, those I love so those books. And it's um, kind of like a coming-of-age series, and the girl's British, so snogging is kissing. Um, I had the entire series. It was amazing, and it's kind of like a teen girl trying to, I don't know, like, try makeup for the first time. And I think she, like, accidentally waxes off one of her eyebrows. like As you it's do? Just, yeah. And she has, like, a crush on a, on a boy, and so that was my first foray into it, but, like, as the hormones get worse, you are like, well, this fade to black isn't doing it for me. I need,
0: I need something else. Um, you need so my, full frontal more than snogging.
4: I need like D and the P action. Um, so my mom was a big romance reader, but by the time I came around to it, she had cleaned her wall to wall, ceiling to floor bookshelf. She had cleaned her romance collection out to make way for more books. Um, I think she was on, like, a mystery kick. So we have this old rickety shed on our property. And she had put all of her books into these huge plastic bins. And she's like, have at it. Um, and in those bins were paranormal romances. So the Carpathian series by Christine Feehan. The Dark Hunter series by Sherilyn Kenyon. So I started reading those. But, they're like, it wasn't hitting the spot that I wanted. Like it wasn't like they were good, but they weren't great for me. Are
2: you petting the
0: camera, Sarah? (laughs) What are you doing, Sarah? (laughs) No, um hang on. Let me see if I can turn the computer around. (laughs) There is an Orville and he is attempting to figure out where to sit because not only do I have the sound box on the table, but I also have my laptop.
6: Sit in the sound box.
0: Hang on. Say hello Orville. Oh, Ooh, I'm out of and here. Gone. He's like, oh, I was <laughs> yeah, a like, camera. Screw that. I'm out of here. Put my laptop back down. This microphone is so sensitive. I'm sure when I like edit this, it's going to sound like explosions. <laughs> now he's behind the sound box. Like, can I can I be in this box? Like, what is this box for? So the Carpathians weren't doing it for you. There wasn't yeah. enough full frontal snogging.
4: Yeah. Uh, and then. I was part of a Goodreads like reading challenge book, and it was just all about romances. And this book, they had a challenge where like someone would recommend a book to you. Um, They would recommend a book off of their list that they think you would like, and then they would pick a romance off of your to read list in case you hated their choice. And so the book they recommended to me was The Bride by Julie Garwood.
6: Oh, and
0: oh, look at that cute cat face! That yeah, he's he is trying to get into the sound box. By the way, he's like rubbing up on the uh, on the on the pop screen and everything. Like, what where there's foam and a and a circle. This is awesome. The Bride oh. by Julie Garwood is the yep. best book. The Bride is so good.
4: And I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for and waiting for. And it's funny though. I don't read historicals much anymore. Like, it was the historical romances that kind of made me, like, a devout reader, because the Paranormals were, like, wearing me out, and so, like, the historicals were kind of what got me to stick around. So, Julie Garwood, and then um, the Wallflowers series by Lisa Kleypas.
0: Love
4: those books. So I will share an unpopular opinion, because I feel like everyone's favorite is Devil in Winter, but mine is not. Um, mine is It Happened One Autumn, with lillian who's like the brash american heiress and like her hero is marcus who's kind of like a stuffy uppity like british aristocrat is it, um,
0: he's a duke right i think so i don't know i remember of course in, he's a duke of course he they're is. they're all dukes i remember he's a Lord. i don't know
1: if that makes him our roles
0: there is no a I, sequel. Do, I mean
1: ancient not necessarily in the wallflower series
0: there is an a Earl. sequel, and, and he's already married to Lillian. And one of the things I remember about that series is that Lillian was miserable being pregnant. Like, she hated it. She was sick. She felt terrible. And it was one of the first time I times I had seen a pregnant romance heroine who was like, this sucks. I hate this, this blows, I'm tired of this, can't be over, I hate it. She doesn't
4: have like that glow and Mm -mm. she's like, I just love being pregnant. Like it it was not like that at all.
0: I happen to have loved being pregnant because it took so fucking long for me to be pregnant. But you know, my first trimester, I was nauseous and all I wanted was glazed donuts, bananas, honey nut Cheerios and milk. And I hate milk. Milk's disgusting. No, I wanted to drink like nine gallons of it. But I wouldn't say. What? Sarah. What?
2: I'm from the dairy. Sarah.
0: (laughs) You have personally. Sarah. I like cheese. Well, you uh, do
3: now that we've introduced you to proper fucking cheese,
0: (laughs) Miss Velveeta. Hey, Velveeta has a place on the shelf for the zombies. Zombies (laughs) Zombies <laughs> like Velveeta. Don't tell me otherwise.
1: I, I'd rather die in the zombie apocalypse than have to eat Velveeta. Uh, I, I'm with Carrie. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. There's, there's,
2: a, there's like even a texture thing about it that's messed up. It's not. I'm with
4: no. I'm with Sarah. I will eat it. I'll eat it when there's oh, even God. no zombies around.
1: Oh, God. No, it's disgusting. The closest thing I can think of as a use for Velveeta is a cookbook I read recently, claimed that you can get that same really smooth texture that Kraft mac and cheese has if you add just a little Velveeta to your like real cheese that you grate up in this whole like, you know, I had like this whole recipe, so it's like super yummy mac and cheese. But they're like, the trick is to get that velvety texture and you can only get that if you suck it up and throw in a little bit of Velveeta.
2: No, I think Velveeta would be suitable for like cutting up and putting out, like, if you had to trap a raccoon or something in a live <laughs> trap,
1: right? That yeah. would be, that'd pretty much be it. And yeah. I bet they won't eat it. I don't think it smells enough.
0: But Amanda, you've cut up Velveeta and put it in a bowl with a, with a can of Rotel. Rotel. Yeah, Rotel in the microwave. And that.
1: And oh. that's my dinner. Oh, Sarah,
0: there's yes.
5: the
1: there's yes. Lucy no. knows that it's not a podcast until she goes shit crazy. Hi, Lucy.
2: Well, if we uh, ever had a group podcast where Velveeta didn't come up, I feel like they should be a fucking sponsor at this point, right? Like,
0: <laughs> Right? Highcraft. We, we, m- most then, of us dislike your cheese. Us,
1: <laughs> if they were sponsoring us, would I still be allowed to claim that I would rather be eaten alive, okay, by zombies, than have to survive by eating Velveeta?
6: Yes,
0: so sponsors do not have editorial control. Yeah.
1: Hey, if I were yes. a zombie, could I put Velveeta on you
2: and then eat you? you In
3: know, F- <laughs> An F review still sells books. Damn, Skippy! <laughs> you said there. You said the name. Yeah, that's going to make these five people go. Oh, I want Velveeta. Those people are wrong, but they'll still
1: spend
0: <laughs> their true. money. No, they're they're wrong. it's okay. You're
1: wrong, people. I'm judging you.
0: I'm not. All Eat your Velveeta and you know, get your Rotel.
1: I that I'm judging. I no always Velveeta. have
0: Rotel, and I know that there are people like I know, like an American expat who lives in Australia. Is Rotel is not exported. She's like, all I want to do is bring home a suitcase full of Rotel. I miss oh. it so much. What the hell is Rotel? It's like a spicy tomato mixture. It's like a, it's a smaller can of diced tomatoes. It's not quite 14 and a half ounces. It's a smaller can, but it is tomatoes and green chilies. And so it's like if diced tomatoes were yeah. more um, Tex-Mex flavored, basically.
2: Okay. And you use it like chili.
0: Yeah, like I have a salsa recipe that I make every week because it's amazing, but it involves a can of Rotel, also honey, lime juice, and cilantro. That sounds
1: delicious.
0: Oh, it's good. I'll send you the recipe. I call it easy. It's, yeah. it's easy blender salsa. I make it all the time.
1: I also have that genetic thing where I don't like cilantro. Oh,
4: cilantro. Or it tastes like it. soap for you,
1: right? It tastes like like death. <laughs> soap, I, I love death. cilantro. It t- It tastes like medicine. When I'm being charitable, I say it tastes like medicine.
0: I
2: I can't do cumin, though, at all.
1: Oh, like I like cumin.
0: I like cumin. I think that too much of it smells like feet, though. Yes. It has a very odd smell.
1: It does have an odd smell. I'm not sure I would have said feet, per se, but, yeah, it does have an odd smell. Lucy? Yes.
0: Hi, Lucy.
1: I believe that what may have happened is my husband might have come home. And, you know, you never tell. Until we enter the house and Lucy smells us, we could be in disguise.
0: Okay, We could be
1: anybody.
0: You could be covered with Velveeta trying to lure a zombie.
1: Right. This could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Sorry. Hi, everybody. My dog is here.
0: Oh, that's fine. (laughs) I'm trying to keep the cat calm on the desk so it doesn't try to, like hump my laptop or climb inside the sound box (coughs) cats are high maintenance man but they're so cute they are they are so cute and man the heated bed is popular oh my gosh (laughs) and if Uh one of them is in it and the other wants it they just sit on top of each other like hamburgers
3: that's why we had to get two
7: (laughs) (laughs) hey Sarah Uh,
6: this is Megan from
7: the woodlands texas my first romance reads were all the laverl spencers in the early 90s and then i took a break in about 2009 i discovered Lindsay sand and uh, katie mcallister's paranormal which read to the rest of their catalog and then after that i discovered julia quinn and Le- lisa clayplast on audio and it's been downhill ever since uh thank you guys for all you do bye
0: So do you guys want to hear about my choices? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I'm I'm not excused. I always feel weird, like, I edit the podcast and I take out me talking a lot because I'm like, Jesus, I'm boring, snip snip, back to you.
3: That's, Sarah.
0: What? You're wrong. Oh, okay. All right, I'll be less judicious with my editing. I do edit out my stutter so that when I see it in the transcript, I'm always like, oh, I missed one. There'll be garlic knitter with, like, five eyes and five commas. Like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Darn, missed one.
6: Hmm.
0: So I, I've always I've, – I've told the story of my first romance, which was Midsummer Magic by Catherine Coulter, which I still love that book. It is so – I don't like the word problematic because it's too vague. Like, what is the problem? Does it smell? Is it expired? Is it toxic? Is it racist? It, like, what's like, the problem? Yeah. no it's better than Velveeta because Velveeta is uh, your baseline Velveeta is not bad for me baseline Velveeta is you know it's it's there it's there are things that are better but it's not like you know it's not like that cheese that's fermented and 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 whatever the hell that's called isn't there a cheese that's like you bury it or is that shark
7: that's fish the shark, fish.
0: fish or sheep. Yeah. Okay. But I also know that there's some cheese that is just like, no, I can't handle the smell. All
7: right. I've
1: gotten you off topic. Mid- Midsummer moon, Catherine Coulter.
0: Midsummer magic.
1: Midsummer magic. Sorry. I think yes. Midsummer moon is the one with a hedgehog that I totally adore, but it's not by Catherine Coulter. No, that's by
0: remember. Laura Kinsale. Yes. Uh, Midsummer magic does not have a hedgehog. It does, however, have a hero who is sort of manipulated into marriage a heroine who disguises herself as ugly so that her two charming sisters will be picked by this guy who's being manipulated into marriage but he picks her because he's like i will just totally park her in the country and then go back to london and bang my mistress and all will be well um and so she's very pissed because she didn't want to be picked and she's picked and now she's married to him and they have to have sex and so at one point he he uses cream to ease his entry like, like legitimate,
2: like like he like just it's, its not some very coffee?
0: specific. It's not like he grabbed a jar of Velveeta. It was like he jarred. He ran to his <laughs> back to his room and grabbed some cream,
2: and
3: no, it, like face cream. Uh, no, or.
2: that's probably also gonna you, that you're gonna get a yeast infection.
3: <laughs> of course, you're gonna, get a, you're gonna get a yeast infection pretty much from anything. Come I mean, come on.
0: So he's trying to be considerate, and at the same time, he's awful. But it's a really interesting exercise in, as the reader, accepting that he is a complete dick to her and he's horrible to her, but he's also trying not to be really, really awful. Like, he could just, you know, bang her and leave, but he wants to not hurt her, even though they have to consummate the marriage for whatever reasons. Um, and then when she go, he goes back to London to bang his mistress, She he leaves her at his estate, which is a horse stud farm stud farm is that a thing the the horse is also bang basically at the farm there's lots of horses having sex and she knows lots of things about horses because she's scottish and she likes horses so she starts like getting involved in the estate and he comes back and not only is his wife like hot but she's running things and he's really not prepared to deal with this and then they get together and there's they don't need any cream anymore I don't know why that book hits me in all of like just in so many places. It's probably a lot of nostalgia, but I love that book. But the one that I that I that really changed me that like I look at this and think, wow, like my life is different because I read this book is um, Instant Attraction by Jill Shalvis. So I read it and I want to say I read it in like January. And I, I, the whole book takes place in an outdoor snow sport sort of company. These three brothers run it. And the, the hero of that book is a former professional snowboarder who busted up himself and now he can't snowboard and it's very sad. But I grew up with a parent who is extremely seasonally affected And so I grew up hearing that winter is the worst thing ever. Like, it's horrible. It's just, it's terrible. You just have to endure it. And, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh where there's like a cloud that comes in in October and then it leaves sometime in April, but it just hangs out all winter. And so I I just sort of grew up thinking, you know, oh, winter's horrible and you have to get through it and it's terrible. And winter isn't fun. It's not like joyful to be outside waiting for the bus in the cold. But then this book was like, no, winter's awesome. You go snowboarding. You go skiing. And I hated skiing the times that I tried it. I thought it was horrible because ski boots are the devil and they're so uncomfortable. But then I was like, I want to learn how to snowboard. I want to do this. And you ever you ever read about something or see something or look at something and you have that sort of resonance, like, oh, oh, that's a thing. That's that's a thing. I that, yeah. Okay. That's a thing that I want to do. So I went home and researched ski vacations. After reading this book, my younger son was still a baby because that first year he was in the the, child care center at at, at the place where we went in Vermont. My older son learned to ski. He was four. I learned to snowboard the following year. Um, And then my husband also learned to snowboard, but he'd been skiing in high school. And now it's a thing that we do every year. We go skiing and snowboarding. But part of it was that books not only – Giving me this thing where I had that sort of internal resonance of oh oh that that yeah that sounds good, but also this idea that winter could be fun and and that mm-hmm. you can go outside and do stuff and it's not this miserable horrible thing to get through, unless you're in Wisconsin, to which, which I understand <laughs> that winter is well, something it, that you just is, have it to is get through. months
2: out of our year,
0: but but the summer months like make up for it, right?
2: Actually, I really love winter. I don't think I could live anywhere that didn't have a winter. And, yeah, there is that. Like, you hit a point in January, February where you were like, okay, fuck this, right? (laughs) Where you – and that's when everyone goes on vacation. So that's when we do, like, a week somewhere tropical and kind of break it up. But, like, I love – I love the snow. I love when you're laying in bed at night or you're at home and there's a snowstorm coming in. And you can hear the wind and you look outside and it's just – it's like – beautiful and quiet and still. So no, I it, dig the winter.
0: Isn't it amazing how when you have a really big snowstorm, the sky turns lavender?
2: And it's warm out. Like it's warmer out when it snows than when it doesn't snow.
0: Yeah. And I also noticed that living, when we lived in New Jersey, it was it could be cold as hell. Like there was some I mean, not like Wisconsin cold, you'll laugh at our cold, but I remember like there was a, a wind chill and the, with, with the wind chill, it was something like 15 or 20 below zero. And, you know, that's never fun when you're waiting for the bus, but it's sunny, like the sun's out. Yeah. I remember being yeah. very disoriented when we first moved to Jersey and I was like, it's cold, but the sky is blue. What What does that? What? Well,
2: it, yeah, I, mean, I think usually the coldest days of the year are clear. Yes, because um, the
0: clouds don't hold in the heat.
2: Yeah. Right. And I think... When you live in an area like Wisconsin or Minnesota where you're used to having really harsh winters, there's kind of a, I don't know, like a celebration that kind of comes out of that, right? We're all going to be stuck inside for a bunch of months, so we better be nice to each other and, and drink glue wine and glug and
0: have now, a good time. They you have to be yep. nice to each other or nice? That's
3: Well, Midwestern well, nice. It's Midwestern nice. That's right. where minnesota nice comes from right. is right. that that we all pretend this fiction because we have to because we can't leave
2: right and you you don't want to kill each other because at that right. point what are you going to do with the body the ground's really frozen <laughs> so...
0: and there's also the, there's a there's a sort of lack of bullshit and artifice and pretension in cultures where if you're not careful the place you live could kill you
2: yeah Yeah, I think, you know, like when I look at how, so I was in Alabama um, a while back for training, and when I looked at the way women in Alabama dress to go to work, right, it was like, holy shit, I am not bringing my A game, but then I remember (laughs) that in the winter, I legitimately come to work wearing um, long underwear under thermal leggings with like giant Wellington sorrel type boots up to my knees and like three and nobody gives a fuck right and don't bother wearing makeup because it's going to your your tears from
0: the cold yeah i mean your face in a big chunk
2: so (laughs) there's that whole like we're not trying to fool anybody we just want to get from the car into the building and not die like (laughs) that's
1: that's the plan here and we're gonna layer heavily so when i lived in alaska in bethel like winter The only problem with winter was he just kept going. It just would not freaking stop. So every year, like, around February, I was like, okay, fuck this, you know. But, you know, it's Halloween, and the kids start trick-or-treating, and they have their costumes on over their snowsuits, you know, and they can, like, hardly move. And then we would do, like, an Easter egg hunt, and the Easter eggs are really easy to find because you put them out in the snow, and all the kids are still in their snowsuits. Like, it just goes on and on. But... There's also kind of this sense like, okay, all the community stuff happens in the winter. Yep. All the parties, all the plays, we get together for movies, because in the, it's still kind of a subsistence setup. So as soon as it gets warm, everybody goes to fish camp. Everybody leaves. So if you're going to you know, do something as a community, you do it in the winter or like the sometimes like they at the very end of winter like we had a big dance festival native dance festival I think in March which still was pretty much winter but but it was better flying weather which was really important because everybody had to fly in and out but I really liked that and then every time you got through a winter it was like you had like another mark of status right you had made it through X number of winters and you know like it was hard course you had to put on to go, like, to walk outside my door, you put on at least ten layers of clothes. And because the roads would ice, and we didn't drive anywhere, you put crampons, like mountain climbing crampons, on your shoes. Do you guys do that in Wisconsin and Minnesota? Um, not to, like,
2: go to work or anything, but if you were going to do anything seriously outdoorsy, like hunt or something, then, yeah, you probably...
1: No, you do just like step out your front door. to. Yep. Everything is icy. But we have. There, there are thing. times when things are so bad here
3: because Boston has the melt freeze cycle down. Yep. Yeah. That some people do do the yak tracks so just to make it to the fucking bus stop.
0: We had to do that yeah. this year here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it does have that same thing where Bethel is really, really dry. So it's super, super cold, but there's not very, very much snow. And it's, and that you only get like an hour of sunlight a day, but it's super bright, super blue sky. And all the ice is super, super reflective. And, you know, that was really beautiful.
0: And then when winter ends in Alaska, like it makes noise, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Because see, the river... Ices, and we call it the river road because you drive up and down it to the villages all winter, right? So when it gets close to break up, you know, they announce it people stop driving on it and then There's all these community bets, you know on when the river is gonna break up and you can get win big money if you if you win <laughs> the, the bet and there's this huge community thing and then as soon as the, the breakup starts to happen everybody in town goes out to watch the water break up so for days Everybody, you know, every time you can leave the office, sometimes an office will just close and we'll all go watch the water break up. And it makes this um, wing chime noise, especially towards the end when the ice has gotten into, like, small fragments. It makes this, like, it sounds like wing chimes. It's really cool.
0: So do you ever look at yourself and think, okay, well, lived in Alaska, froze my ass off. Now I'm in Sacramento and it's 110. Like, you've ever thought about maybe just permanently living in a place where it was, like, 70?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would <laughs> like be temperate nice. yeah. weather. Live, that would be living the dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you know, maybe you just need to move to like Costa Rica. Ooh.
1: Well, who wouldn't like to live in Costa Rica? Really.
3: I wouldn't. There's no seasons.
1: There's yeah, because I know of-
3: you guys like winter.
1: Yeah. Serious bugs. And we got off again on tangent and
0: we didn't hear more about the book that made you love winter. Oh no, that was it. I love that book. I've read it a hundred times and it's, it's not even like it's the characters or it's the the thing that happens in the romance. It's the setting of the book that just was so vivid to me that I, Mm -hmm. I still remember reading it and thinking, Oh, Whoa. And I mean, the story itself is really good. It's still one of my favorite contemporaries. But I think that's true for a lot of, of romance readers that – well, like Elise said, it's – it's. this is where women are the the story. And okay. so if you read a lot of romance, then you end up learning about things that you might not otherwise have experienced. Like I had never – really heard of or thought about the idea of bisexuality until I read butterfly tattoo by Deirdre Knight, Deirdre Knight, Deirdre Knight. Hope that's right. I will have to look it up where the character had been married to a man and then finds himself falling for a woman. And that's part of his conflict. And it, it that, I mean, there's still not a lot of bisexuality represented in a romance and a lot of bisexuality gets sort of erased as, you know, you have to pick a side. I had never even th- thought of it. It was not something that I even was aware of because it, I just, I just never learned about it until I read about that character and then realized, oh, that's a that's a thing. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I studied literature, and you know, the it, when I got to college, there was more diversity and more focus on women and um, different ethnicities and things like that. But romance novels were really the first books I read that this was the heroine story and she is going to take agency for herself. I remember in sophomore year in high school we did like a Arthurian legend um, unit or something and I remember we read, uh, you know, the The Legend of King Arthur, and then we also read The Lady of Shalott, and my teacher was asking for, like, what we thought about it, and I'm like, I think Lancelot needs to put a bag on his head, because he's fucking shit up for, like, a lot of women, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't think I used those exact words, but that was the gist of it. My (laughs) teacher's like, that is not a valid literary criticism.
0: Hell, it's not.
2: (laughs) Yeah, fast forward many years later to me working for Smart Bitches. Ha ha, motherfucker, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all valid criticism here. I, I went to a very small women's college in the South. Um, the, there are still less than 1,200 students, I think, in the total enrollment, which was not to my – it wasn't where I intended to go, but it was a very ideal place for me. And I ended up in an English department where we did not really study a whole lot of dead white guys. We st- I studied a lot of Southern women writers. So we took deep dives into like Flannery O'Connor and Eudora Welty and other fiction writers that are like still people who are still writing but even then when i when i wanted to read something that was more fun i mean because flannery o'connor is was brilliant but she wrote about some fucked up horrible human beings i mean seriously right
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: oh my god But I think that's the other part that romance novels really work for me is because I'm tired of women's fiction being centered around tragedy. And I understand that why it is a lot of the time because it's representative of real life experiences. But at the same time, it's like I do occasionally want to read a story featuring a female lead that isn't death and sadness.
0: Mm -hmm. This is true. So I have one final question for you guys. Is there a, a book that you're looking forward to that's coming out soon that you're really excited about reading? Carrie, I know you lost your mind over Sourcebook's Instagram this morning.
1: Oh, yes, I did. Uh, what else? Oh, 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 it's 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 comic book time. So coming Ooh. out soon is a new volume of Sex Criminals and a new volume of Saga. Uh, and I like to read those particular comic book runs in their their trade publication form, where uh, uh, several issues are collected at once, mm-hmm. so it will all be new and thrilling to me.
0: I started writing down the books that I want to have, um, that I the books that I want to read, because I send them to my Kindle, and then I look at my Kindle and I'm like, "What is that? I don't know what that is." There's no cover art. Sometimes in advanced copies, there's no cover art or or the. The formatting of the title gets messed up, so I have no idea what it is. And I'm like, why is this? So I had to start keeping track of them. And I'm too paranoid to do this on Goodreads because I'm afraid that even if I create a list and set it to private, the settings will change and it'll become public. And I don't want that to be public. Like, I just want to keep it. So I have, I I write it down on paper. There is a book coming out in September and I'm trying to make myself not read it. But Is it Labyrinth Lost? Yes. Yes. <laughs> brujas. Br- I am all about the brujas. Mas brujas. Si, si. Me gusta mucho. Pero I, I, sorry, I must switch language. I am, okay, A, the cover is gorgeous, and B, I'm so excited. And then, then, then I got an email about a, a, a lesbian female heist romance with a thief heroine. That was kind of my reaction to That would be <laughs> uptown, making, hands. uptown thief by Aya. I think it's Aya de Leon or Ava de Leon. I think it's Aya. Aya de Leon. It's from Dafina, it's the Kensington imprint. And I am so very curious about this.
1: Yes. I have required reading, I have homework. You'll all be extremely, and I don't care if this is public. You'll all be highly amused that my therapist may, is making me read a book called Boundaries, and I've forgotten the name of the author as Dr. Somebody. But I thought, well, yes, you guys will be like, well, duh.
0: Is it telling you how to build them or how to set yeah, them or okay. why they're important?
1: Well, I think it's all of the above.
3: <laughs> she doesn't know. She hasn't read it yet.
1: I haven't read it yet, Sarah. Oh. I know. I no, but I, I believe the messages boundaries are
0: good. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I just,
0: you know, I just finished a book in which the one of the characters was very, very estranged from her mother, and that character is increasingly vilified through the story because she becomes the villain. And I kept thinking, if the part where she's estranged from her mother is supposed to make her the villain, her mom's pretty toxic, so I just have a lot of empathy for her. Sorry. It's yeah. boundaries are important. What about you, Elise? Anything that you're looking forward to that you want to read?
2: Um, I have The Woman in Cabin 10. That comes out in July, so I'm kind of pacing myself. That's a psychological thriller that takes place on a cruise ship where the woman in the title thinks that she saw somebody get killed, and she's kind of – everyone else is kind of gaslighting her, like, no, nobody really got killed. And she's like, I know what I saw. Um, So I'm looking forward to reading that. I'm reading – Three, I want to read Three Dark Crowns, which is a YA dystopian fantasy that comes out in September.
0: What about you, Amanda?
2: Um, Well, I keep track of everything
4: because I have a problem. Um, So I I went through, um, like, my to-read list on Goodreads. And I'm surprised that there's not more that I was super excited about. Um, But there are two... One, I don't know if you've heard, Sarah, but Maria Semple has a new book coming out. Oh. Uh, yes, I heard about this, I think, like, three days ago. Um, and I actually picked up Where'd You Go, Bernadette, based off of your recommendation on the site. Like, um, I think you reviewed it for Smart Bitches. Um, so this one is about kind of like a depressed mom. And she's like, okay, today was awful. But tomorrow, like, I promise I'm going to... You know, like, go to yoga, and I'm going to do this. And so she, like, makes that list in her head, like, all right, well, today was shit, but tomorrow I'm going to get everything together. Tomorrow's going to be the day. And then, of course, it doesn't go how she planned. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see what it's going to be like because the, the jacket copy is very vague, uh, but that comes out in October, and it's called Today Will Be Different. Um, mm. And then the next book... Uh, That I'm excited about comes out in September and it's um, Co-authored by Nina Bocci who I haven't read before and Alice Clayton who I love who does great Romantic comedy stories her Hudson Valley series um, Is fantastic. So nuts is the first book in that and then I have cream of the crop right now and it's hilarious but Roman crazy is about uh, a woman who used to live in Boston And she's about to divorce her husband for being a jerk. And she's just like, fuck it. I'm going to just run away and have a fresh start in Rome. So, Sarah, you might like it, too, because you like fish-out-of-water stories. I do, and I like travel stories, too. Yeah, it's called Roman Crazy, and it comes out in September. And so, she kind of just, like, packs up all her stuff and goes to Italy to start a new life. So... Um, both of them seem very funny and and very interesting and I'm excited.
0: Are you reading all the single ladies? No, but I
4: desperately want to, I desperately want to get my hands on it.
2: Have any of you guys read the Grisha or Grisha series? I just started the first book, um, Shadow and Bone. Oh, I
4: think I own,
2: I think I own that one, the first copy and I heard it's... it's good it's a YA fantasy series, but it kind of takes place in kind of like a, it's like based on, uh, Russian Russian. folklore. If you like that,
4: one of the most beautiful books I have ever read in my life. And it's also very dense. Like I couldn't read more than 50 pages in a sitting is deathless. It's beautiful. Like the writing is beautiful. The mythology is beautiful. It's Russian influenced. It's fantasy Um, It's kind of just like a big allegory, though, um, to Russia in World War II, I believe. But it's it's an amazing book, fantasy, great writing. So if you like
5: Shadow and Bone. Hi, Sarah, Amanda, Carrie, Redheaded Girl, and Elise. I'm Tiffany, and I'm from Sydney, Australia. So the first book that got me into romance was actually a fantasy book. Uh, I wouldn't know if I could call it a YA because there was a sex scene in it. Um, it's a book by Kate Forsyth, and it's a series called The Witches of Elianan. I can never say the titles right. In one of the books, um, the one of the main uh, female protagonists, she gets it on in the cave with the prince and it just it just hooked me and i was like where can i find more of this and it uh i i liked it so much this is me 15 years old and i was like i have to return this library book but i don't want to lose this section of the book so i typed it all up on my word just so i could reread that section over and over again and i forgot when or how but i i guess i wandered into the romance section in my library thank god it had like a huge section for it and i just went to the deep end with that i um just it was just like the beginning of my romance reading career i guess um i just remember spending so much time at school just reading romance book after romance book not really doing any school work um and my friends dubbed me that reading girl because i just read like that's all i did i didn't really talk to them i was just kind of be like yeah like don't talk to me while i'm reading please <laughs> anyways happy hunt 200th episode and thanks so much for doing this bye
2: So so we had this really interesting conversation. So Sarah recommended the Call of Crows series. I thought, oh, Rich is really gonna like this. I got it for him on Audible, cause that's, he, he reads books, but it takes him so long with his dyslexia that he prefers to listen to them on audio. He just like inhaled the first two books. I don't think he, everything he was doing, he was listening to those books. And then he had to tell me all about them all the time. Like about, <laughs> he's still like periodically, cracks himself up over Brody Hawaii the pit bull running around the backyard with someone's arm in his mouth and his her mom being like Brody Hawaii you dropped that arm you're a role model for pit bulls (laughs) Um,
1: that was such a beautiful moment in
2: literature
1: I treasured it so those books so he loves those
2: books and then I um, got him to read the Bannon and Claire series by Lilith St. Crowe which is like a steampunk paranormal mystery series. And then there's the Psy Changeling series. So he's all of a sudden, he's like, I didn't know these were romance novels. I love romance novels. I'm like, see?
0: Welcome, Rich. Did did he like Dragon Actually? We have not started Dragon Actually yet. Oh my God. It is campy, blood-soaked, female ass-kicking fairy tales. Like when you Ooh. meet Anwell the Bloody, it is just gonna it's gonna rock his world. I love that book.
2: He was really, I think, surprised. Maybe "surprised" isn't the right word. He's like, "These are really sexy books," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, they are." And he's like, "But you're on vaginal rest." I'm like, "Yeah, tough life <laughs> for you, pal." Right? <laughs> uh, but no, he was really. He's like, "I really." like fantasy
0: romance oh, so thing. there's now his so much thing. good stuff too now because i think it's becoming a little bit more popular and like there was that glut of paranormal where there was just vampires and werewolves everywhere and yeah. multiple alphas in the same clan in the same world with lots of books and it just sort of became like a regurgitated cycle but when 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 with the new sort of fantasy worlds that are being built that are huge and epic it's there's more of them and they're wonderful. Like there's a a reader, it's a reader review. And Amanda was like, I want this book right now.
2: (laughs) Well, I think I know one thing he commented on that he really liked in the call of Crows series was that he's upstairs. I feel like I should just go get him. Uh, was that there's there's clearly a larger arc happening between the books. So he likes it when this is one of the things he really likes about the Dresden files is you have the, um, Individual stories, but also this other arc that's going to happen throughout the series. So you feel like there's going to be closure at the end. It's not just going to go on forever a la Stephanie Plum.
7: Well, she
0: should go back in time. Shouldn't Stephanie Plum go back in time?
1: I would totally read that. It's so funny. Like when I discovered Stephanie Plum, all of a sudden all I could read was Stephanie Plum. And I must have read 10 Stephanie Plum books in three days and then I could never go near her again. It yep. was like that thing. You owe like, on her. I OD'd. It was like I ate like one specific kind of junk food like so fast that I gave myself a horrible stomach ache, and now I can't go near it. But I think part of it was just that feeling of like part of what kept me going was I was like, oh, how's this going to resolve? And then I was like, oh, wait, it's not. It's just going to go and go and go. And I've already read like 13 of these. So I'm good.
0: Redheaded girl. Yeah. Any books you're looking
3: forward to? Oh, I feel like I'm kind of in a slump right now. I just got um, A Certain Age, that book with the gorgeous cover.
0: Yes. Uh,
3: that I'm looking forward to reading that.
8: Dude, I had someone come up to me yesterday and I had on a, a the ripped bodice shirt and um, they had happened to hear me place my order at a cafe and they'd asked for my name and I had said sassy. <gasps> and she goes, are you the sassy on the Smart Bitches podcast? I- <laughs> yeah. That's Holy so crap. Awesome. I got a celebrity sighting from the Smart Bitches podcast. Okay. <laughs> it was awesome. That's so rad. It was fun. It was cool.
0: That's super cool. Well, I'm actually using one of your early pieces of music for this episode, the rumba for SB, as, as the file is called. Yes. Did you make that up, or is that a like a No, a that of... is an
8: actual piece. That is part of a series of dances that was written for harpists, um, and I had heard it as a child and fallen in love with the piece. And I... Looked for it and looked for it and looked for it in college. And then I realized it was a, a part of a whole collection of pieces and wound up studying the whole song cycle. But that piece still remains probably my favorite harp piece to play of all time.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I get to use it, so thank you.
8: Yes, thank you. Do you know who it's by? Uh, I need to... I want to say season. Uh, I will look. Give me.
0: Yeah, no worry. Take your five time.
8: minutes because I know I'm just like I have chemo brain right now slash hormone brain slash all kinds of not functioning brain. Oh, perfect. So, I this was on my recital, you. but I cannot remember jack crap right now, dude. So here's my question
0: for you: What is the book that made you a romance reader? Do you remember what it uh. was?
8: So I started with *Arrows of the Queen*, the, the *Queen's Own* series by Mercedes Lackey. Mm-hmm. That book series, I think, turned me on to the idea of romance as a driving force. In the, I'm a huge Joseph Campbell fan. The whole hero's journey, mythology journey. I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. I remember being able to see those movies when I, the the '70s, the first original movies. Um, I saw them before I lost my sight. So I fell madly in love with Joseph Campbell's analysis of epic mythology and journeys and things like that. And one of the things that was never brought up too much was relationships, uh, romance. And then suddenly I read this story about this incredible heroine who is life-bonded to this incredible person who doesn't know he's incredible, and um, the story just completely kind of transformed how I viewed mythology and archetype and all of these nerdy literary things that made me want to start off college as an English major. (laughs) And I I was crazy for it. And then I read Anne McCaffrey's Kilachandra series and again realized that romance was this thing that I had loved but never really taken seriously in my books because I had that whole idea of bodice rippers and to be honest, as a kid, they didn't put a lot of Harlequin books or or romance novels into Braille where we could access them. Um, I had much better access to other types of books that had elements of romance in them, but I'd never read a, a straight romance novel until, um, I got out of college, I think was the first time I actually picked up a full on romance novel. And I read, um, Gabriel's Ghost by Linnea Sinclair, and it's a sci-fi, but there's it's a romance, and that I think was the first time I had ever gone, that's a romance, and that's a hero's journey, and that's exactly what I want. I like sci-fi. I like thrillers. I like guns in my books, but it's all for love. It's all for romance, and that's when I started reading and writing romance, and the first book I wrote wasn't supposed to be a romance. Um Oops darn. And then I finished it and I went, wait a minute. Oh crap. There's no other way to label this. This is a romance novel. I wrote a romance. Surprise. And that's how it started. Yep. Is
0: there a romance that you've read that has changed you profoundly? Like you can point to it as sort of a pivoting point in your life or is it the first ones that you read that made you go, "Oh, Oh, I like this.
8: This is great. That changed me profoundly. Um, Oh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, reading Susanna Kearsley's books, um, where she changes time periods for the character. The The characters go back in time. Mm-hmm. But going to that archetypal idea, I still look at it as kind of going back in your life and looking at the things you did in the past versus the things you do now. Yep. And influencing your decision. Because I like to apply books to real life. I Anybody who listens to the podcast knows I take books and go can I see characters in reality, in reality? Can I see, can I identify with things that are going on in this book? And, um, so I love how she kind of takes the characters assessment of her life and applies it to past and present and and what their, her future could be in every single book. That's kind of a theme of hers. And I was profoundly changed by, by reading those books and, and, starting to do that to my own life in a good way yeah. um one year ago today I was going through neurosurgery and I think especially in this past year it's really been a help to me to remember there's a time when you're not like sick and fighting for your life and not knowing what's happening to your body and you're going to be okay um you just have to remember that time and hope for the time in the future when you get
0: back to that time.
8: you get exactly yeah that's cool
0: And that is our 200th episode. Wow, an hour and a half. I hope you liked it. I am so excited that I have been able to do 200 podcast episodes. And I am so thankful to Elise and Amanda and Carrie and Redheaded Girl and everyone who called in and Sassy Outwater and most especially you for listening. Thank you for being part of our podcast community. This podcast episode was brought to you by by you yay thank you for listening and for being part of the show for tuning in every week and emailing me and leaving comments and leaving reviews it is really wonderful to know how many people around the world listen to the show and it's just it's so cool so thank you for being so awesome the podcast transcript this episode is sponsored by kensington publisher of all in by simona Arnstead. Recently named by Publishers Weekly as one of its best books of summer, All In is the first foreign language romance to be translated and published in the US. Escape into this summer's most buzzed-about book, All In, an international bestseller where beneath the midnight sun, powerful Swedish elite prowl parties for conquests, trade damaging secrets like currency, and one explosive game of cat and mouse between lovers is poised to change the power balance forever. Discover the romance that's taking the world by storm. All In really does have it all on sale June 28th. The music you're listening to is Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is Sassy and her harp, and this is one of the first pieces of music that she sent to us for the show. Every episode we have music that she has either produced or worked on and in july we have some original music from one of our podcast sponsors the fact that we get to feature so much cool music is so awesome and i hope you enjoy it as much as i do if you are a regular listener or reader of the transcripts and you'd like to support the show i would like to humbly ask that you have a look at our patreon campaign at patreon.com slash smart bitches I'm looking to upgrade some equipment and commission transcripts for all of the episodes that don't have them. And it is super fun to come up with rewards and different, different things to do for people who are supporting the show. So if you've had a look, thank you very much. And now it's time for some compliments, which is seriously so much fun. To Renee, you are more adorable than a sleeping baby otter in a onesie. To Karina, I know that you probably think that this is the wind, but actually all of the trees wave at you every day because you're that rad. To Rachel A, underground, wherever you step, fairies are throwing a massive dance party and the groundhogs are too. Melissa, you are the human personification of a high five, a high 10 and the perfect cupcake. And to Andrea, in the zombie apocalypse, We are coming to your house because you have the best books and the best snacks, and you make everyone feel good. If you're wondering what the heck that was about, have a look at our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And like I said, I would love to hear from you. If you would like to tell us about the book that made you a romance reader, please call us at 1-201-371-3272 and leave us a voicemail Tell us about the book that turns you into a romance fan. And if you can't call, just record a file on your phone and email it to me at sarah at Either way, I would love to hear from you about the book that made you a romance fan. Next week, I have an interview that I know you're going to be excited about. And on behalf of everyone here, I wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend and thank you for celebrating with us.